You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, May the 8th, 2020. It's time for your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us again this Employment Report Friday is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, uh, good morning, Craig. Uh, more information that we can treat as disinformation, and uh, let's try to sort it all out and see where we're going. Let's give a run at that, my friend. Hey, and uh, just a reminder to everybody, you know, things are all kind of upside down at, at, uh, across the precious metals industry still, and we're all fighting through uh, supply and logistical issues, but it is business as usual in terms of information at SprottMoney.com. One of the things we do every month is called the Ask the Expert segment, and uh, that for this month will feature Mickey Fulp. Many know many of you know Mickey Fulp is a mercenary geologist, has a great free newsletter, and uh, knows a heck of a lot about a lot of mining companies. And so uh, if you want to submit a question for Mickey Fulp for the Ask the Expert segment this month, just email us at submissions, the word submissions, sproutmoney.com. Uh, Eric, let's talk a little bit about what has taken place this week. I, maybe the employment report this morning, of course, being used as usual to hit prices. Yeah. Or maybe this notion that negative interest rates are right around the corner in the U.S. What have you seen this week? Sure. Well, first of all, I always find, of course, I don't trust the data that comes out from any government agency because they've been so hopeless with numbers. And, of course, the April jobs numbers is is, is backward looking information and we know exactly what's going on with the labor market we get a weekly unemployment insurance claims and i think we're up to what in excess of 30 million so what's it matter what they say april was it's what we're going to do going forward so let's I, I i don't think that that number should have any bearing on any markets today but sure enough you know they they beat up on gold for some bizarre reason but uh, as you and i know uh, uh gold many times has been chopped up only to uh to come back again um, we've seen it so many times just before the opening. I have my own theory of why they beat up on gold before the opening, and that is that they they just take the wind out of the sails of someone who is going to buy one of the physical ETS. Because I honestly believe there is a shortage, so we would talk about that later. Um, I did want to talk just briefly on the COVID nineteen. I mean, again, it seems to me that the morbidity is going to be way less than than what we are anticipating. Of course, the big problem was it spread so fast that it was just taxing the uh, the healthcare system. So you needed to shut it down. It'll be interesting to see when we open it up again. You know, if we don't practice social distancing and things like that, I suspect we could have a, a, a certainly uh, easily another wave of things. But I do believe that the best uh, solution is, in fact, to open up the economy. I just fear that the depression we're in might cause a loss of. Uh, more lives than, than the virus. So, yeah. and, and one other thing that we don't know is the after effects, right? We we read all sorts of things about other organs being impacted. So we still got to stand by on that one, and that'll take time to, to figure out. Economically, when I look at the economy, uh, you know, what is the cost of uh, bailing everyone out, and, and can we afford it? That's very much an unknown. The money that's been been um, committed by the Fed and the Treasury, just a mind-boggling number, and we're not going to know for a while whether it will be enough. And I suspect it won't be enough because of the leverage that we had in the system. And I get the sense, uh, looking at the uh, 
the decisions of the bankers, they're not going to increase lending. They're increasing the uh, the lending standards. We've seen it all over the place. Both, you know, the big banks come in. No, we're not, the restrictions on mortgages are tighter. Uh, HELOCs, uh, are, we don't want to give them out anymore. Uh, and I, I suspect, by the way, that there's a problem in the banking industry because when I look at the charts, I think I think J.P. Morgan went from $140 to 80, and it's back to 90. Excuse me, back to 90. <laughs> That's nothing. And I, I see it in some of the Canadian bank shares as well. That, and I, so I suspect there there is a real issue going on in the banking business. Everybody knows that most of the credits they have are at risk. And so you're not seeing this this bounce back in the bank stocks, which I think is a bit of a sign of what's really going on in the world. And, of course, the fact that interest rates uh, look like they might want to go negative here and that the bond market, just the yields keep going down. But we have a real dichotomy in what the bond market's trying to tell us, what the bank stocks are trying to tell us, and what the general stock market's doing. Yeah, that's for sure. What do, you, what do you think of the prospect of negative rates in the U.S.? That was a big uh, big driver of the bump in prices yesterday. Well, there's a real battle going on in the sense that, I mean, I think that the powers that be want yields to stay low. Uh, but at the same time, you've got these huge treasury issues that we we have to deal with. And, uh, you know, I, unless the Fed buys you know, an overwhelming part of the bond issue. I'm sure rates would naturally go up. Um, but I think the Fed will step in there. So I, I think some elements uh, will, would suggest that we could go and touch uh, negative rates, certainly in the, in the derivative markets looking out. And of course that might in itself suggest that, Oh my goodness, there, there's not going to be the economic, the extent of recovery that we can imagine. And every time someone says it's getting better, well, it better get better. You know, we've got GDP down, whatever number you want to pick, 30 or 40%. It better get better. But yeah. just getting better doesn't mean that you've got to go out and buy stocks because you can get better and, and go from minus 40 to minus 30. Well, you know, that's still a train wreck. So be careful what you want to buy into here. Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, it has been a very good uh, week for uh, the miners particularly some of the seniors that have been uh, that are producing and gosh definitely seeing their profits and their dividends increase anything there that has caught your eyes we've gone through the week yeah yeah of course and of course the biggest thing is the the gdx and uh, gdx index the etf for gold stocks senior gold stocks i mean in in seven weeks it's gone up 80 percent yeah where do you make 80 percent in seven weeks well i I know what happened in gold stocks. I've seen it happen so many times. It's a bit of a joke. And obviously, they've uh, technically broken out here. Um, I still go back to uh, the physical markets. And apparently, the ETS in the month of April uh, bought 100, added 170 tons in the month of April. Apparently. You know how I like to annualize things, okay? Well, that's 2,000 tons. I mean, ex-China, ex-Russia, we only mine about 2,300 tons a year. And the ETFs are buying at a rate of, of uh, 2,000 tons. And I know I've seen some work uh, by Goldman talking about private purchases outside of the ETFs. Yep. And I, I, I apologize for not having those numbers at the tip of my fingers, but there was some serious buying going on. So I'm of the school that there is a serious physical 
shortage. Uh, I see that HSBC and uh, BNP Paribas both said they they had a, a measure called the value at risk that they breached their expected value at risk and then attributed it to uh, delivery issues in gold. And I'm thinking, wow, how how much are you guys short and owed that you could uh, affect your value at risk 12 times in the month of March 12. There's only 22 trading days in March. In 12 days, they exceeded their limits. And uh, I, in fact, I, I actually looked at the chart on HSBC, and it looks just like the other ones. There's no rally here, considering the extent to which they went down. So there's lots of indications that uh, something is still going on in the gold market, even yesterday's move in the price of gold, you know, going up uh, $1.40 and closing, I think it was up $34. Silver doing the big turnaround up, I forget whether it was ended up 50 or 60 cents, but it was up a lot. Uh, trying to go up today in the face of uh, gold going down. So there's something going on in silver, and silver is a very, very small market. I mean, if the investors who want to buy 170 tons of gold in a month started putting a little bit of that money in silver, there would be such an increase in the price of silver. It would, would be crazy. Um, as you've been pointing out, uh, I mean, the, the, the COMEX has almost gone comatose here with the lack of volume and the lack of change in, in open interest. And the, the deliveries are incredible. I mean, I think the deliveries for silver could be something like 50 million ounces yeah. this month. Record. Uh, that in itself, I mean, 50 million ounces, I, you know, we, that's, that's a 600 million annualized number if it happened every month, which it won't for sure. But anyway, um, we, we probably not even mining that much in a month these days with all the shutdowns that have taken place. Yeah. Um, the technicals of both gold and silver, they both broke out of, uh, what I think the technician would call, uh, bullish wedges. Uh, I was interested to see that, um, you had uh, Mr. Vermeulen on uh, one of your podcasts, and uh, mm-hmm. of course he's very excited about where gold can go, and others are chiming in as well, suggesting gold's quickly going to go to 1800 which was what his call was about a week and a half ago. Um, and it looks like we're ahead of there, notwithstanding, you know, I don't know what you want to call that jobs number, and it knocking the price of gold down $14, but there's been so many days now when gold gets knocked down, and it rallies back so i'm hoping yeah. that that will be the the case today as well yeah um i think that's really all i have in the general uh gold market uh and happy to chat about stocks all right well i've got uh, we, we always invite everybody to email us uh questions each week again they can use that same submissions at sproutmoney.com email address to do it and eric we had like <clears throat> 46 different questions this week. So I very much appreciate everybody sending them in. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to all of them. So Eric and I have spent some time before we started recording, kind of trying to cull the list and see if there's uh, companies he can talk about and companies he knows anything about at all. Uh, So I I can assure everyone listening that I did ask him about, you know, companies like Red Star Gold and uh, we'll keep, you know, GR Silver Mining and uh, Endeavor Silver, things like that. 
uh, and Eric just doesn't have an opinions. But I want you to know that we did see every single submission that comes in. Uh, to that end, there are some questions that just don't deal specifically with minors. They're just more general, Eric. So I want to lay these on you uh, and see uh, how you feel about them. One, somebody wants to know, you know, we talk about owning precious metals outside of the banking system, how important that is. But, you know, a lot of folks own uh, PHYS, uh, PSLV, things like that, or the, the CEF. They own them, you know, kind of in the banking system, in their in their brokerage account. How do you feel about that? Is that this guy? This person wants to know if that's a safe thing to do. Yeah. Well, you know, when you leave assets uh, at a bank, uh, they can be considered the bank's assets. I know that theoretically these things should be uh, segregated. Uh, believe me, if there's a problem, you're going to have a problem. I, I know yeah. when Lehman went down. There were institutions that I'm aware of in Canada who had uh, accounts there. Poof. Yeah. Gone. MS swallowed up, swallowed up in the bankruptcy. Now they got some money back ultimately, but uh, out of business. Yeah. So that could happen with an individual account as well. So there's always some concern when uh, you're dealing with financial institutions. And I, I love pointing out, and I've done this a million times, you know, in the 08 crisis. Uh, I bought Citigroup at a dollar, Fannie at a dollar, Freddie at a dollar. They were broke. They got bailed out. They're yeah. being bailed out as we speak. And when I refer to these charts, the bank stock, they man, they didn't even rally. You know why? Because the insiders know what's going on. Yeah. So be very careful. I, I, this is an interesting question. This kind of made the rounds this week. Uh, the Mar- uh, Marin Katusa did a podcast where he talked about the risks to major mining companies that do business in countries that have a negative swap line with the Fed. That that meant, you know, like a barrack perhaps uh, could face uh, large royalty increases, maybe even the danger of nationalization of some of these mines. you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I listened to the interview, and uh, Marin's a very smart guy. And I know when I look at where I invest, for the most part, uh, I try to stick to safe jurisdictions. I don't even know if I own anything in Africa. I know I own some things in South America, um, particularly Colombia and Brazil. Um, And I think, actually, Brazil is one of the uh, countries that does have a swap line. In other words, it's treated as an ally of the U.S., and they're being supported. And I mm-hmm. think that's the, the point that Marin was making, that the other people weren't being supported. So um, it's worth uh, watching that interview and seeing the countries that uh, do have the swap lines and, 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 by definition, the rest that don't have the swap lines, because I think there is a point where, uh, you know, governments, for example, we're seeing in Papua New Guinea even now, with Barrick, speaking of Barrick, where, uh, you know, they they want to take over the mine. So, you know, the mine's been shut down until that gets resolved. Yeah. You know, it's just, there's just always risks like that, that you've got to do your own homework and do your due, due diligence and uh, try to manage that as best you can. Here's another risk that people have to manage at this point. Um, what are your thoughts on the idea, you know, if the general equity market rolls over again, uh, will that provide a, a bit of a headwind for the mining shares? Well, they are shares. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we saw what happened in March when things got taken down. They took down 
gold uh, and the shares, uh, ostensibly for liquidity reasons. I suspect other reasons. Uh, in fact, the more I look at the, the shakeout in stocks, and I oh boy. And we're going to turn around and find out that all these banks made all this money, which the most of them have announced they did well in March, okay? I'm mm-hmm. like, how the hell did you do well in March? You know, we, the markets went down hard, then they go, they go up hard, and somehow, mysteriously, the banks always make out like bandits, um, which suggests that uh, you're always at risk <laughs> of what someone might want to It suggests to that do they're bandits. Do. Yeah, even that is a good starting point, right? Just so anyway, <laughs> a yes, they can easily go down. That's uh, always going to be something. You're absolutely right. Uh, one other question along those lines uh, that has to do with the majors. You've mentioned a few times that the net asset value of these mining companies really goes up dramatically with price. Uh, if price goes, you know, to some of these levels that people are talking about, $2,000 and, and beyond, um, how, mu- how many times can a NAV, a net asset value of a miner, increase? Is there a math kind of behind that idea? Sure. Sure, there's a math. Let's just assume that the average guy's costs are $1,000 uh, and the price of gold is, is 1300 So you say, well, he's going to make $300 on all the ounces he has in his reserves over a certain number of years, and I'm going to discount that to get a, a present value, his NAV, the NAV per share. Uh, if the price goes to 1600 other things being equal, his margin just doubled, the value of the ounce has just doubled, and his NAV doubles. If it went to $3,000, you now have, you're making 2000 instead of $300, you are up almost uh, seven times. It's a very simple calculation, other things being equal. Yeah. And we, you know, it was interesting. I've seen some of the reports this week actually had some of their sustaining costs going up, um, even though energy costs have come down. Does that just kind of vary from company to company? Well, it's a it's a very imprecise calculation. You know, the all in sustaining costs because some of it has to do with the the timing of capex. A lot of it has to do with the denominator, which is the number of ounces produced. So, for example, if you have a COVID shutdown and you have less, you're dividing less ounces into you know, your quarterly spend, it looks like your ASIC's going up, even though it, it's a math, it's just mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. mathematics thing. So okay. um, it, it's not something that uh, is always reliable. And most of the companies that are reporting had some issue with COVID-19, where there's some shutdown, there's some slowdown. So it's very difficult to to take the first quarter reports and just say, well, multiply it times four because it may, yeah. it, maybe the second quarter will be worse than the first quarter in terms of shutdowns. We'll see. Or slowdowns. Lots of mines have to slow down in terms of the uh, social distancing. So we'll see how, how it all plays out here. Let's get to some of the individual shares, Eric. And again, thank you for everybody for sending names in. And I can assure you, I asked Eric about all of them, you know, anything from, let's say Japan gold to precipitate gold to heart gold. We went through all of them, uh, but we do have these names that we can talk about. Eric, uh, let me ask you one uh, you've mentioned a couple times recently, and that's a company called Grand Columbia. Uh, somebody said, sure. yeah, they've got promising drill results, but can they keep it up for the next five or 10 years? Sure. Well, uh, it, it's a very high grade, relatively high grade uh, underground mine narrow veins. Uh, typically, those mines don't have huge reserves in front of them. 
because you just move along with the vein and the cost of drilling ahead, i.e. determining where your goal is going to be in uh, seven to ten years, is, all, is prohibitively expensive mm-hmm. if you have a deep underground mine. But uh, they've been in operation for a long time. I do believe they have a known seven-year reserve life. But, you know, I can tell you that the Macassa mine, which is, again, a deep underground mine, it's probably never had a 10-year mine life and has been running for 100 years, and it's probably got another 100 years in front of it. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes the sheer answer to the question doesn't give you the right answer. And right. I think in, in Grand Columbia's case, where you've got narrow vein, underground, uh, these veins tend to persist. So I'm sure they'll, we'll be here another 10 to 20 years. All right. How about, uh, a lot of folks wanted to ask again about mag, silver, and silver crest. Sure. Well, these are two stocks that I took a big interest in uh, two and three weeks ago. Um, I, I just get the feeling that silver is going to pop here. I find it so hard to believe that gold could almost be at a new high and silver's trading at $15. Most of us know the history of of silver suppression. I mean, if you read uh, Ted Butler's work at Butler Research, and he just thinks that the commercial banks have a game that they play with silver, Uh, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, take it up, take it down, have the stocks go up, have the stocks go down. Um, these stocks are starting to perk up a lot. In fact, I would say those two stocks were in excess of 10% yesterday, Yeah, just yesterday, because you could kind of smell that silver is going to get going here. So I'm very high on both of them. Um, I think they both have resources that are going to increase markedly here, like a lot of, they're going to find a lot of ounces. Um, so and imagine if we got the gold, the silver price to go where it should go which is, you know, well north of 25 and probably 50. Uh, I mean, the, when we talk about the uh, the NAVs, I mean, at $15, if you're a producer, you're hardly making anything. At $50, you're making 35 bucks. Okay? <laughs> so if you were making two at 15, you're going you're to have 25 times more profit at 50. Yeah, I like that math. Um, yeah. A lot of folks asking this week just for your comments on Kirkland Lakes earnings. Uh, one sure. specific question had to do with the average grade going down. Yeah, well, of course, the grade is a, is a variable because you go through different parts of the mine where the grade's high and other parts where it's not as high, and it's the luck of the, the, uh, the flow of the mine. Uh, it went down both at Macassa and uh, Fosterville. Uh, notwithstanding that, they had, I would say, decent production results. I think the uh, the estimate for earnings was uh, seventy one cents. They came in at seventy. These are just they're called adjusted earnings. Uh, who was to know? I mean, did anybody know exactly how much they slowed down a detour? How much they slowed down in Macasa? How much they slowed down here? Slowed down there? I mean, it's a bit of a dog's breakfast trying to know. And they don't have now. They don't have any forecasts. Most of the mining companies have no forecast for for production because nobody knows how to deal with. The COVID nineteen yet, so uh, but uh, you know they during the quarter they found a, a huge block of uh, gold at Macasa. Uh, the numbers, the cash flow numbers were spectacular. Uh, I think they said they had cash flow of like three hundred thirty million, and that's without one month of uh, detour. And the extra month of detour would have been an extra forty million of cash flow. So, I think the detour acquisition looks great here with the price of go- uh, gold doing what it's doing, and. Uh, I, th- I think we'll see uh, 
good uh, exploration results, and I, I like the stock long term. It's a bit of a dog's breakfast. Is that a Canadian thing? I guess so. <laughs> That's a new one for me. Uh, I like it. I like. It. I'm going to work that in at some point. Uh, all right. How about um, Wallbridge? You got some thoughts on uh, kind of follow yeah. up from last week? Well, well, the the merger got approved last night uh, between Wallbridge and Balmoral. <clears throat> and the more you think about what Balmoral brings to Wallbridge now, uh, and of course we start using this word a mining camp like the Timmins camp or the Red Lake camp, or the Kirkland camp. These are all like multi-tens of millions of ounces of gold. I spent a lot of time on the weekend looking at the, release, the news releases on the gold properties of uh, Balmoral over the last 10 years, okay? And man, they had some very, very good results. High-grade intersections, much like uh, Walbridge has experienced, both high and low-grade, uh, bulk tonnage, low-grade, uh, narrow, high-grades, uh, they own a property called Martinier, which is right between Detour and Fenelon, that already has 600,000 ounces. And I'm sure uh, when uh, Walbridge gets in there with their drilling team, I'm sure they're going to spend a lot of time trying to make that a very economic deposit. Uh, we also already know that Balmoral had that big hit 400 meters south of the Fenelon border. Uh, so I, I think it just it looks great. I, if if you're in the mining business, you got to be looking at this thing, okay? you got to be thinking, oh, okay, this could be very substantial. All these mines are on this, on this, uh, what's called the Sunday Lake Deformation Zone, Detour, Martinier, Fenelon. And it goes for about 100 kilometers, so I think there's lots of opportunity there. So it's, uh, and they hit a new high on uh, Thursday. Uh, so I think it, it all is holding together very, very well. You mentioned a new one you'd like to share with everybody. Yeah, well, I recently, yesterday, uh, participated in an issue for a company called the Free Gold Ventures. Uh, I actually bought them two or three months ago when uh, they came in and said, well, we got six million ounces and uh, our market cap's six million. I said, hmm. okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. You're buying an ounce of gold for a dollar an ounce? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And then, of course, the price of gold went up a little bit. <laughs> Like probably three hundred dollars an ounce, it should at least take it from one dollar per ounce in the ground to maybe five. Yeah, which it is trading at five now uh, dollars per ounce. And then they announced this huge hit where they had, uh, I think it was uh, like two hundred meters of three grams, or uh, they had a, a high grade hit was I think three meters of a hundred and ninety something like that, which is of course is six ounces a, a ton, and. Um, there's been some uh, views put out that uh, they found the source for the first 6 million ounces, which are at surface. Now they're finding the source of how it got there hmm. and that it could, uh, you know, somebody speculated that it could add another 5 million or 6 million ounces to this thing. So it's becoming a, uh, a serious play. It's in Alaska. Stocks, of course, reacted uh, quickly. It's when I bought it the first time was 5 cents. I paid 17 cents in an issue yesterday. I think it's at 23 or 24 cents today, but I think the market cap is probably still less than 50 million. That, that's wow. not much for a guy with that kind of potential yeah. resource. So, yeah. <clears throat> that's called interesting. Free Gold Ventures? Free Gold Ventures. <clears throat> F-V-L on the TMX. They need to dig up 
another friend of another and friend of a friend of another and drag them up there and have them talk about it. Remember that? They were the free gold guys. I think they still, you ever read all that stuff, uh, their blogs? No, no. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening to us are familiar with the free gold uh, idea. It's an interesting name. That's one you'll certainly remember. That's for sure. Uh, as we've got By the way, I should, say something, I should say one other thing about it. They have a deal with a company called South 32. That's a huge Australian organization because they got a separate copper property that I think the numbers that uh, the South 32 is going to spend like 30 million on the property to earn a uh, uh, 70% interest. Hmm. And uh, you don't often, you know, when your market cap was five or six million, you don't often get deals, you know, partners like that. So it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We've been at this for a little while here today. Probably should wrap up. Anything else on your mind before we go? Uh, not really. I just think everything looks spectacular. Uh, I hope Silver has a massive move here. I can kind of sense that uh, something's coming. So, you know, we've had, as I said, 80% in seven weeks. Not bad. Hopefully we get a little more of that. Yeah, definitely. Ever since uh, QE to Infinity was announced seven weeks ago, I've been keeping a leaderboard. The <clears throat> GDX is definitely the, the big winner so far ahead of everything else. Let's hope that trend continues, my friend. Uh, for now, though, hey, I'll give you the rest of the week off. Thank you. Take advantage of that. <laughs> I can go back to I can go back to work, man. There you go. That's exactly right. Well, thank you for your time, Eric. And from all of us, it's brought money news. It's brought Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, healthy, and well.